Welcome to the Sisters on the Front Lines podcast, where we unite with Christ to combat the shame surrounding young women struggling with pornography and share our stories and insights to gather more tools and weapons to fortify our stance on the front lines in the war against pornography. Right. Welcome to this next episode of the Sisters on the Front Lines podcast. I am super excited. My guest here, her name is Eliza Ashcraft, and we met actually. She just sent an email to my Sisters on the Front Lines email and was like, we should meet. And so we just met up at the Cougarie at BYU and had a really, really good conversation. She's super cool. Just very recently moved to Provo. But yeah, I'll kind of let you introduce yourself and. Just tell about your family, how old you are, why you're in Provo, and yeah, tell me everything. Cool. Awesome. Well, I'm Eliza Ashcraft. I grew up in a small town in Idaho called Hamer. I grew up on a farm there. I'm the youngest in my family. I've got four older siblings, three brothers, and one sister. And I have been blessed to be the aunt of seven nieces and nephews all together, and they are super fun. I recently moved to Provo just to take a break from school. I was going to school at BYUI in Rexburg, and I just kind of wanted to take a vacation from the town, meet some new people, get some new scenery, and I'm interested in the dietetics program at BYU. So, yeah, that's why I'm here in Provo. Super cool. Okay. Awesome, awesome. And you... Moved here like how many like weeks ago, like, right? Yeah, like about a month now. A month now. Okay, exciting. And you said you're liking it, right? I do. I like it. I feel like the new things in my life have just like brought more excitement and I just love the opportunities here. It's a bigger city. It's the biggest city I've lived in on my own. And mm-hmm. so that's been that's been pretty fun. Cool. Yeah, I know. That is like one thing I love. I love like the I love smaller towns. But one thing I love about, like, Provo is there's always something to do. Like, you will literally never run out of anything to do. There's so many random things. Yeah, super cool. Okay, well, awesome. Well, I guess just start us off with your story with pornography. What age, if you remember, did you find it? What was that first initial experience like? And then just kind of lead into it. And I might just kind of interrupt you throughout and ask you questions. Okay, that's totally fine. Okay, well, I remember having just, like, thoughts in regards to, like, chastity when I was really little, like, even in preschool. Like, I would just have, I would just ponder and think about these scenarios and situations with, you know, just people, like, boys in my class and stuff like that. And I didn't really, like, know if it was good or bad at the time. And then... Wait, sorry, I'm I'm totally already interrupting you. What do you mean? So, at, at preschool age how were you like aware of that like those things even happening you know maybe I saw it like I don't really remember for sure maybe I saw it like a movie or something Uh Uh, but I think it was just like that internal feeling that I was having I was just curious about it and I would think about it a lot gotcha okay interesting all right sorry to interrupt keep going (laughs) and then when I was like about 12 I would still like imagine these scenarios and like different things and I started to masturbate alone in my room just thinking about those scenarios and then when I got an iPod I got an iPod when I was 12 I don't think I looked at pornography for a while after getting the iPod because I didn't really know about it and then I 
think I just I started getting more curious about it and like I'd see pictures and that would lead to more pictures and I would kind of like search in roundabout ways and then eventually like I went on YouTube and started watching like videos and stuff like that. I did start with pictures and then like transitioned more to videos and so that all happened like I said when I was 12 and it wasn't like an addiction yet I don't think started becoming more of an addiction probably when I was like 16 Mm. when I would like view it a couple times a week and it got bad to where it was like a couple times a day Mm -hmm. wait can I pause you for a second I just want to go back I'm curious how did you at 12 because these are imagined scenarios in your head I'm guessing correct me if I'm wrong but you don't have a ton to like go off of and how did you like like, how did you know what masturbation was? Like, I, I actually heard Ashley in, her, in the first podcast. She's like, I thought I made it. So how, <laughs> yeah. did you, how did you learn what that was? I started to masturbate just because of, like, the feelings, you know, like the pleasure, uh-huh. the feelings of pleasure. I, like, felt them coming close. And then gotcha. I, like, keep going, you know. Gotcha. But then it wasn't until like, I'd never had, I never had the sex talk for my family. For my parents oh, or anything really okay yeah so I was really I didn't know I didn't know what sex was I didn't know how it worked I kind of heard like rumors about it from people at school yeah you know what it was but I still wasn't sure because even those conversations I was like what you know yeah. like I didn't know for sure so I think that like stemmed a lot of curiosity mm. for me and so when I was 16 yeah 16 I started dating somebody seriously I got a boyfriend and when I started dating my boyfriend I didn't have the problem anymore I wasn't looking at pornography anymore and we dated for two years and like I didn't struggle that whole time and then like once the two years hit I started struggling with it a little bit and I didn't tell him at first and like all this my parents had no idea like only I knew about this problem but I did tell my boyfriend eventually kind of at the end that I was struggling with it and I was like struggling so hard with it and I felt that it was wrong and I knew that it was wrong and by this time I had become aware of like what pornography was what an addiction to pornography was I'd read you know what's it called the youth pamphlet what, what did it used to be called? Uh, for the strength of youth <laughs> yeah for the strength of youth <laughs> Yeah, I read that and that talked about it. And so I just like understood and figured out that it was wrong, but I was still participating in it. Mm -hmm. And so I went to my bishop, I like wrote a letter basically, and I read it to him and I was like bawling because I knew like I went, I finally talked to him, even though it was stressful and it was so hard. I finally talked to him because I realized like I could not get past this on my own. It was something I wanted to stop doing, but I could not stop on my own. Yeah. And so I went to the bishop and after that, he basically told me, he recommended and invited me to break up with my boyfriend. And there were some other things involved in that. Like my boyfriend wasn't a member. I thought he was going to join the church, but long story short, he wasn't super excited for me to want to serve a mission and I wanted to serve a mission. And so I decided to break up with him at that time. And after that, I didn't have any problems with pornography, pornography for like four years like after I talked to the bishop like I I felt like Heavenly Father gave me a set of wings and I was basically like it wasn't a problem anymore 
Oh, I, I love that the Heavenly Father gave you a set of wings. I think that's so cool because it's so, I mean, like, like I've talked about this before, but we have like that, that power of the atonement that takes away our sin, but we don't talk about the enabling power of the atonement. Like it totally lifts you. And I'm curious, what did, like, what did your bishop say to you? What was his reaction? And do you remember what that letter, like, you don't have to go, go into as much detail as you'd like, but like, what did that letter say? And then what was his reaction? Oh man, let's see. The letter, I basically started from the beginning just telling him that I had like these thoughts from when I was little. Mm-hmm. And then when I got technology, that led to me like seeing, looking at pictures and then looking at videos. And I mentioned, you know, dating my boyfriend and like the law of chastity in regards to that. You know, we, you know, we weren't doing anything too serious, but we were still, you know, right, seeing stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, that's basically what I can remember from the letter. What the bishop said, he's, if I remember, he was kind of a new as a bishop and he looked like he was caught a little bit off guard. Yeah. I think I expected more of like a harsh reaction, right? Like I just <laughs> thought I was yeah. going to be like, wow, you need to repent and repent yeah. and like be a, a, period of suffering for you and it's like I don't know yeah I mean we we always kind of expect the worst like I remember that same thing like I seriously I mean I I had this like reputation of like perfect kid you know and I'm like I'm gonna go in there and he's just gonna look at me and he's gonna be like really like Maddie that's kind of gross and like looking back I'm like really (laughs) like of course you didn't react that way but yeah you're right like those thoughts are super super real yeah so yeah I thought his reaction was gonna be a lot more negative but he did react in a very kind and compassionate way and I was also surprised that he it didn't seem like a big deal like in my head this was such like a huge problem and like it was like ruining my life and I felt like Kind of like you were saying, I was a terrible person. I was afraid that it was going to ruin my reputation. And I thought like those feelings, the things I was doing was like meant that something was wrong with me. Mm-hmm. And so I can't remember exactly the words he said besides, you know, reminding me to break up with my boyfriend. I remember he said not to take the sacrament for a while. Mm-hmm. So I didn't take the sacrament for a while. And that was super hard because I didn't tell my parents. He, I told him I was scared to tell my parents about it. And he basically left that in my hands he was like you know I think your parents will love you regardless but like you don't have to tell them if you don't want to yeah Yeah. so yeah I decided not to tell them if you have have you talked to them since then and if that's later on then we can just wait to jump into that but yeah I'll probably come back to that okay yeah sounds good so after you met with the bishop couldn't take the sacrament oh yeah I couldn't take the sacrament for a while and I just, like, would go to church late. I would go to church late every Sunday. And my parents didn't really ask too much about it. Mm-hmm. And then I remember going through the repentance process. It was extremely hard. I remember, like, crying every time I came home from church. Mm-hmm. And I also remember the time that I could take the sacrament again. It was probably, like, three months later. And I couldn't go to the temple either. I was supposed to wait to go to the temple. So Gosh. that was, like, three months later. And I remember sitting in sacrament meeting and taking the sacrament and feeling like that burning feeling in my chest of the spirit Mm -hmm. and I was just like so grateful to have that feeling back you know because when I was participating in pornography like I wasn't 
worthy of the spirit at that time you know I could still like feel it and it could guide me sometimes but I just hadn't felt it that strong for a long time yeah do you feel like that period of not taking the sacrament and not being able to go to the temple like in retrospect was a good thing for you I personally think it was good because it was kind of like fasting in a way like fasting from like my addiction to pornography but also like doing the spiritual things Mm. and so then when I came back to doing the spiritual things I was better able to recognize like the spirit and recognize how much happier I was and how much more power I had and I think if I was just like kept going like I had because like when I was addicted to pornography I was like basically pretending you know that nothing was going wrong and so that whole time I was still going to church I was taking the sacrament and stuff like that yeah and so I think that three-month period where I kind of stopped the routine that I had been in yeah like that change I think that really helped me realize how much being in the routine and taking the sacrament being worthy meant to me yeah I like that and I I think that's interesting because I mean you just hear so many sides from of you know that that conversation of like well when do when do we not take the sacrament when do we not go to the temple and I mean I don't know I, I have a hard time like my I feel like my opinion isn't fully formed on it but it's interesting to hear that perspective my bishop personally I I talked to him about like like, what are the, you know, what are the guidelines or whatever when someone comes to you when they're struggling with pornography? And he told me, I mean, I'm in a YSA ward, and he told me, yeah, I've had, like, a ton of of people come to me struggling with pornography, and I have not told a single one of them to stop taking the sacrament. Because I think, like, his philosophy is, like, that's when you need it most, you know? But then you also bring an interesting side to it, because you're like, I was taking it I mean, then when me and my bishop were talking, I was like, well, when would they not take the sacrament? And he was like, if it's like mocking God and like, I mean, you have like serious sins, like adultery, murder and stuff. But I really liked his his saying if it's mocking God. And so I think that kind of what you were in that position where you were, again, just going through the motions and just doing the routine and didn't realize what a powerful opportunity that was to be able to take part of that and renew your covenants every single week so that kind of gave you a better understanding I think that's also a super interesting perspective so yeah I don't know I just think that's that's interesting and something to think about and keep an open mind open mind about for anyone listening because I've heard good and good and bad things from that so anyway sorry kind of a tangent but keep going no I really like that and like that'll come I'll talk a little bit about something kind of related to that too but anyways, after I talked to the bishop, I was fine. I didn't have an issue for a long time, and I wanted to serve a mission. And I went on my mission. I didn't have an issue for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I've been home for my mission now for a little bit over a year. So how old are you now? Did we ask I'm that? I'm 22. 22? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep, so I'm 22 now. I got home for my mission in October of 2021, and I went to school at BYUI for a year. And I didn't take any breaks. And by the end of the year, I was feeling like really stressed, really overwhelmed. And I was at a very vulnerable place. And, you know, coming home from the mission has just been like a hard adjustment for me. It's been harder. And I was just basically overworking myself. Like I was burnt out. So I knew that I needed to take a break from school, leave Rexburg for a little bit. 
and I needed to like save money and I was just overwhelmed about so many things and I moved home with my parents and I grew up on a farm so it's like to get to a store it's like 30 minutes away and I just like was trying to save on gas and so I was just like home with my parents a lot and like my my siblings are quite old my closest sibling is autistic um, so he lives at home but you know he doesn't have like the socials and then like my next siblings already moved out and married so mm-hmm. anyways basically what I'm saying is that like at home I was very isolated yeah and that's a really hard thing and I had been struggling with binge eating so I felt like my addictions from the past had kind of formed into a different you know type of addiction so that was one yeah. coping strategy that I was a negative coping strategy that I was doing yeah and I was trying to overcome that. And then anyways, when I was at home, which this was like last December of 2022, I did like relapse for the first time in like four years. Mm-hmm. And so I viewed it like a couple times and a couple nights. And that's like, and I was thinking about moving to Provo. I had been thinking about moving to Provo for like a couple months. And like, I just knew that being at home and being isolated and not around like people my age and not being busy and not having a schedule that that wasn't good for me yeah and so that was another big reason I left to Provo and that I left like in the middle of the semester and I kind of came at a random time because I knew I just needed to be less isolated yeah so yeah I came here and I decided that I'm going to focus more on others because I've focused a lot on my problems in regards to, like, anxiety, depression, binge eating, my past with pornography. I was just thinking about a lot of my problems, and I just wasn't feeling super fulfilled. And and I, I was serving people throughout the year at BYUI, but I just didn't feel like my heart was completely into it because I was just so busy and overwhelmed. Yeah. So anyways, with moving here, I decided that I'm going to try to give my life to the Lord more and change and try to help other people and I believe that that's so far it's been helping me I still have my struggles but it's been helping me to like look at other people and like help them and so I've met with the bishop here he knows everything Mm -hmm. my past he knows I'm struggling with binge eating and that I have struggled with pornography in the past Mm -hmm. and he's kind of on the same page as me where it's like I need to be serving others and so I haven't had a problem with it since I've been here in Provo Mm -hmm. I'm not too worried. Like, I don't want to be too prideful. I want to, like, still not be casual. Yeah. But I feel like that four year of, you know, like, four years of recovery has given me some good momentum. Yeah. And so I'm hopefully going to stay on the right path. I love it. That's super cool. And, I mean, I love that you're like, yeah, I am I don't feel like it's a huge problem now, but I don't want to be prideful. Like, <laughs> you don't want to be casual. I love that because I think that that is truly how you, like, I feel like so many times you hear people saying like, oh man, like I just want to get over pornography for good. Like, it's just, I want this completely out of my life. And 
I think that that is 110% possible, but I think a lot of times we have like the wrong definition and go through the wrong steps to do that. Do you know what I mean? Like we just say, okay, there's just going to be one day and there's just going to be one quick fix that it's going to get over. But like, no, the, the way that you get over it is actually being like super conscious of like, where are my triggers and when does this get me? And like, why? And like, what's going through my brain right before I view pornography, right after? Like, just being super, super conscious of it, that's how you get rid of it, you know? Not just completely suppressing it and ignoring those feelings, but actually being very curious about it. So I think that's super cool that you're like, I just need to be conscious about it. So I'm curious, I'm living the busy college student life. Why even dedicate time to like, serve like you have so many other things on your plate you've got friends you've got family you've got school you got work you got a million other things why dedicate the time and how do you even find the time and how has that helped you in your recovery process that's a great question I love that I've studied about this and like really prayed about it a lot because like education is so important to me and of course like Being financially stable is important too, but like the point of being financially stable, the point of getting an education is all so that we can serve others. Like that's the point of all of it. Like Mm -hmm. I don't want to be making money and getting an education all for me. You know, part of it is for me, but my goal is to have like a family someday that I can help support financially. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I've like, I think I saw a post on Instagram or something or somewhere that just that I thought about it was saying like oh it was actually it was a girl who was a recovered binge eating person so I think she might have been a dietitian Mm -hmm. um she was saying like your purpose in life isn't to pay the bills and to have a job kind of thing like that's not your purpose and like I had honestly thought that like I had focused so much on like just school getting school done and just working that I forgot like my purpose like my divine purpose on the earth like that really isn't our purpose our purpose is to serve others and to become more like god to become more christ-like and so i decided to shift my focus and think like okay how can i get my education and work and you know do that while serving others like i want my purpose to be serving others while i'm doing work and education Yeah. Oh, I love it. And it's, I mean, it's so easy to fall into that trap of putting the, the things that are right there on our plate, our huge inbox that we have to read, all those emails, our huge to-do list. Like it's so easy to put those things before the things that are meaningful. And I think if we like don't consciously make an effort, yeah, we're going to do that. And, and I can't remember where I heard this, but they were talking about Satan. A lot of times we talk about like Satan really wants you to do the bad things, you know, but Satan is actually really okay with you just doing the good things and not doing the better or the best things. Um, And so like, he's totally okay if you just live your life checking off those boxes in the to-do list and, and, you know, just go to work and pay the bills and whatever. He's totally okay with that. He'll accept that. But it's like, we have to put in this conscious effort to, not ever accept mediocrity and be excellent in everything we do. I just love that. I think that's so good. And then I was going to ask, we kind of talked about this when we first met. I think it's so interesting how you have this awesome backstory of why you're going into dietetics. So I'd love for you to talk about that. And then also we talked a little bit about like, how does 
binge eating and eating disorders kind of go hand in hand with pornography addiction. And you talked about you, you moved from pornography addiction to binge eating. And it was always just those, those, you know, destructive coping, coping mechanisms. So yeah, so how did you get into dietetics? And then how do those two go hand in hand? I love that. I'm so happy you asked that question. There's literally like so much that relates. And like, I really am so passionate about this stuff. So, you know, like with the addiction to pornography, it's like you get that dopamine and it's the same thing with like eating you get dopamine when you're eating and like you can get addicted to that and it can be that's like your reward basically in your head and then, so this is kind of unrelated to what i was just saying but like with the addiction to pornography it's like you're viewing these bodies as like objects to just be used for things I don't know, just to be, like, taken advantage of. And it's not true love. It's not, like they say, porn kills love. Like, that's so true. Like, that's not true love. And so that kind of grew into me, like, seeing my own body as an object. And just, like, if it wasn't shaped or figured a certain way, then it wasn't beautiful. And it wasn't good enough. And so that's, like, I tried to do diets in high school to try to lose weight, to try to be thinner. And that was, like, what I believed would make me love myself more. But, like, honestly, it did the exact opposite. Because when you, when I got so hungry, I'd end up binging and eating way more than I would have if I would just, like, eat normally and follow my hunger cues. And then I beat myself up. Like, it's it's been a couple years, and I'm still recovering. I'm a lot better now. But, like, for years, every night, I would just, like, I could hardly fall asleep because I was just feeling so guilty for what I had eaten mm-hmm. and, like, the way my body looked, the way my body felt. I just didn't feel good when I went to sleep. And so I just, like, kept punishing myself and punishing myself. And another thing is, like, I really, like, in junior high, I think before I struggled, I mean, I still struggled with pornography when I was in junior high, but those younger years before I had this obsession with, like, the physical body, I, like, was creative. I liked doing my hair. I liked to do it differently every day. I took care of myself and stuff like that. But then once I was having, like, issues with diet and stuff, I was, like, I'll take better care of myself when I'm skinnier. I'll get new clothes when I'm skinnier. Like, I just Mm. basically did not reward myself in any way for anything because I didn't feel like I was accomplishing my goals. Mm. And so I think not rewarding myself was I was not getting, like, any dopamine, and that led to depression. And then I would go through unhealthy ways and measures to get the dopamine, you know? Yeah. Wow, that that was so good. I think there was just like, that was pure gold because as you're saying all of this, I'm like, well, yeah, that's like, that's how it is like with pornography too. I, And I thought that was so interesting how you said with the combination of like, of binge eating and pornography, it grew into me seeing my body as an object. And I don't know why, but I had never like made that connection before. But I think that's so true because our value is so just, torn down to purely our bodies and we see ourselves as nothing more and that for like eating disorders and for pornography struggling with pornography I think that's so interesting and then I also just wanted to tie in I love the idea of like 
we hear all the time like body positivity, but I actually love the idea of body neutrality and just being like, okay, like this is the, this is my body. This is like the tool that I use to, to run and to play sports and to walk to my classes and just to do all of the things, you know, it's just like, you know, that's what it's for. And like, here's, you know, here's my arms, here's my fingers, here's my toes. It's just like super neutral. It's like, okay, like, awesome (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. and like it doesn't necessarily have to because when we introduce this this idea of body positivity then there obviously has to be an opposite to to that like body negative negativity and like if you're not super in love with your body then you have to hate your body like actually it's okay to just accept it as it is and that's not I don't think that's devaluing it at all I think it's just seeing it for how it is so yeah I think that's super cool I really like that I'm I'm really happy that you taught me that because I actually I was I've been saying like body positivity like I've been telling people like yeah I'm interested in being a dietitian and helping women heal their relationship with food and their body and I want to promote like body positivity and then when you told me about this body neutrality thing it really did give me a different perspective about it and I really like the body neutrality because I think saying body positivity puts like more focus on the body. Right. When like we believe in modesty and dressing modestly because that helps people put focus on who we are, you know, like what we have to give to the world. And there's a song that's called Express Yourself. And it's just like a small lyric that I always think of. It says like, it don't matter what you look like when you're doing what you're doing. And I really like that because it really doesn't like, like you said, with like dancing and running and singing, like these are amazing things that our bodies can do. And we, it doesn't matter if we look perfect when we're doing it. It just, we might as well be grateful for these instruments that God has given us. Right. And use them and share our gifts and talents. And God created us and he was proud of what he created. And so we, like should be grateful and we can be grateful when we believe that God created us like and he knew that we're beautiful and he wanted us on the earth this time yeah oh I love it that was just all so good and I I just love applying that idea that we have of like the neutrality and more looking at like okay what what can our body do like the body can do awesome things and we just don't just not time to focus on like why would we care about what our bodies look like obviously yeah caring about our health and that aspect what our bodies look like but again that kind of just ties back to the functionality anyway I just think that's super interesting and I was just gonna say like along the lines of neutrality I always talk about this idea of like radical acceptance with pornography because when we have these these urges to view pornography or whatever a lot of times we want to either just react immediately, give into it, or we want um, just push it away and say, no, all thoughts about sex are bad, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so, but then there's a third option and that's to just sit with it and to just say, okay, like what's going on? Where am I right now? Why am I feeling this way? And like, I don't know. I think that that kind of like ties hand in hand. It's just a super neutral way of thinking about it. So I think that's super cool. Okay, I want to... Is there anything that you feel like, and you can have a second to think about it if you want, but is there anything that you feel like you're leaving out before we ask the last two questions? I guess, like, we don't have to include this, but just, like, basically what you were just saying with those processes, those three options, and, like, choosing the option 
to calm down and accept the feeling. I guess something that's helped me is just like understanding that those feelings of passion and sexual desire were God-given. It's like that doesn't mean something's wrong with us. And then also like that's the same with like binge eating. Like it's a natural urge for us to eat. And when we resist that, that's when it can really mess with our head and we can end up binge eating or doing something else. But when we like recognize like, okay, these things are God-given, this is normal. Then we have so much more control and peace about it. Yeah. Amen. That's so perfect. Yeah. I love it. And I think that was, I think you perfectly, like that was the tie I was trying to make. I just couldn't find the words for it. So I'm so glad that you said that. Yeah. Oh, that's perfect though. Okay. Awesome. Well, sweet. I just want to ask, I have two more questions for you and we ask these on every podcast. I just want to know, first off, what keeps you right now on the front lines in the war against pornography? I believe that these sexual desires that we have are God-given and they're divine and they're meant to be, you know, we bridle our passions and we save them for like when we're with our eternal companion, with our husband, with that one person. Mm-hmm. And I really have a desire to have that full capacity to love because just like I said, they say like porn kills love. It like I've noticed in my life that I have like a lesser ability to feel love towards myself and towards other people. Mm-hmm. And so as I've been on the recovery journey and abstained from it for a while, I've felt like charity and love in my life and I really want that and I want more of it I want it to keep increasing and when I get married I want those feelings to be like strong between me and my husband and so that's yeah that's one of the biggest things that keeps me fighting I love it and I love that you mentioned the bridle your passions and I think it's super important the word bridle because I think it's super important that it doesn't say to completely ignore or suppress or dismiss your passions. It's just saying learn to actually live with them and accept them and find a way for them to integrate into your life where you are right now. So I think that's super cool. I love that you added that. And I think that's a very worthy goal. And that's awesome. Okay. I was going to ask, like you said that you had never had like the talk. as a Oh, kid. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to. I feel like we can't end this podcast without talking about that. I think that's really interesting. And I want you to talk a little bit more about that. And do you think that having had that talk would have prevented some things? And do you think that ignorance really is bliss in this case or not? Yeah, I'm so happy you brought that up because I was thinking about that. I was kind of thinking about that when you were saying like the question of like, what would I tell a girl who's struggling with pornography? I mean, it's kind of different because... I mean, I would tell her parents, you know, like, yeah, give her the sex talk. Tell her what it is, you know, like, inform her because it's better coming out of the parents' mouth than other places and, like, getting curious and looking it up. Yeah. So, yes, I think if my parents told me what sex was, I would have had a better understanding of what to like be careful with, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah, I do think, yeah, getting like understanding what sex is and just saying it like raw and straightforward. Yeah. is definitely helpful and could have 
prevented. I don't know if it would have prevented it, but it would have given me a lot more peace knowing about it. So Yeah, yeah, super cool. I think that'll be super important for parents to hear because I've heard a lot of times like, oh, well, you know, you say to start talking about pornography like now, like start talking to them at a very young age. Like, won't that just get them curious? And like my answer to that is always like, well, they're going to like get curious and they're going to have to learn about it either way. So like, wouldn't you so much rather have them like when they encounter pornography, they know what to do, you know, and they know what exactly is going on. Yeah, I just think that's super important because I think there's a lot of fear surrounding it. And they're like, well, that'll just make them look, look for it. And like, yeah, anyway, I love that you mentioned that. I think that's super important. Okay, so I guess last question. What would you say to yourself when you were in that position, when you felt alone, when you first found it, and you were just kind of being controlled by fear and so what would you say to yourself in that position and to any young girls who are in that position right now I would say that I would tell them that nothing is wrong with them I would say like these feelings that you're having that doesn't mean something's wrong with you they're natural they're god-given and with the savior's help you can learn how to control them say don't be hard on yourself for you know acting on these feelings the way that you did because that's not going to help the savior loves you the savior will forgive you if the save if the savior can forgive you then you can definitely forgive yourself and i'd say yeah you're never alone you're not the only one who struggled with this there's people around you that are not judging you they're just here to help you so that you can find more joy in your life I love it. Amen. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Eliza. And you have, I want you to give you a second to plug, you have an Instagram where you share like uplifting things. Do you want to plug that handle and kind of what you do on there? Sure. Yeah. So I just recently created an Instagram called Eliza underscore shares. My real account is Eliza underscore cassette. Basically, I started this Instagram page because, you know, just like I can get addicted to social media, you know, and I was just looking at other people and still like comparing myself. And I think most people do that with social media. And I felt like creating this page would kind of help me see that I have things to contribute to the world too. And so I don't know exactly what I'm where I'm going with this page, but I do love sharing anything related to the gospel. I love sharing things in relation to dietetics because I do want to be a dietitian and help girls in that way. So yes, anybody who wants to, they are more than welcome to follow that page. I love it. Super cool. Well, thank you so much for joining me. It has been a pleasure to have you. <laughs> yes, thank you so much. This was amazing. Of course. And then until next time, keep up the good fight on the front lines.